I'm going to direct your attention to Psalm 133. Hallelujah. I told the ministry team together today that if there's ever a time that we would quote unquote dismiss you from service, we typically will do something like that on occasion, you know, you're dismissed or whatever. If that moment comes, I want you to remember these words. You're no longer dismissed. You're deployed. When you leave here, you're not dismissed. You're deployed. You're deployed into the harvest field. You're deployed into the kingdom of God. Amen. You're deployed to go shine the light of truth so that others will be saved from the kingdom of darkness and come into the kingdom of light. So you're no longer dismissed. When you leave today, you're deployed. Psalm 133, you can remain seated. A song of degrees of David. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity is like the precious ointment upon the head that read down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garment as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that ascended upon the mountain of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. I want you to pray with me in Jesus' name right now. Let's pray together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, let the living word preach the written word today. Make my tongue the pen of a ready writer, Jesus. Hallelujah, accomplish your will in this place. Open our understanding that we might comprehend scripture today, God. Cause every hindrance to be rebuked and to be cast out. Bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we pray it and ask it and believe it and expect it and accept it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Psalm 133 is the 14th song of ascent. It's all about unity. We heard a little bit about that in our first half today. Thank you, Pastor Jeremy. In this short three-verse psalm, David vividly describes the beauty of and the basis for and the blessings of unity. Psalm 133 reveals details about God and His church. Being undeniably one. Being a song of ascent that the pilgrims would sing, Psalm 133 heralds the desire of God for His people to live harmoniously. You see, God wants His people to believe the best in each other, want the best for each other, and expect the best from each other. Did you get it? All right. Psalm 133 implicitly reveals the undeniable oneness of God. He is the great one, as Isaiah 19:20 reveals to us. He is the mighty and awesome one, as Jeremiah 20:11 reveals. He is the ancient one, as Daniel 7, 9, 13, and 22 reveal. He is God, our anointed one, as Psalm 2, verse 2 declares. And He is the Holy One, as 50 different verses in the Old and New Testament declare those exact words. 
You see, the undeniable oneness of God's church reveals His undeniable oneness throughout the entire Bible. Psalm 133 may be short and sweet, but invaluable truth about unity. Feel its three verses. In fact, the Hebrew word translated unity refers to a unit of people who are joined together for God's holy purpose. Let me talk about the beauty of beauty of unity for just a moment here. The Bible says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. The phrase how good indicates that unity is an excellent choice. And, interestingly enough, agreeable to the senses. It also means, uh, the word is pleasant. Unity is also pleasant. How good and pleasant. Pleasant means sweet. So not only is unity good, it feels good, smells good, looks good, and tastes good. It's agreeable to the senses. It's why people can come in and feel and see something different when they come to church. Because those people, if they're dwelling together in unity, it's a beautiful aroma. But dwelling together in unity does not mean uniformity. Are you with me? Stay with me. It does not mean uniformity. You see, true unity is the harmony of various ethnicities coming together for a single cause. It's men and women. It's young and old. It's single and married. It's divorced and remarried. It's rich and poor. New believer, veteran disciple. It's all of these coming together, dwelling together in unity. Amen? Hallelujah. Why don't we clap our hands and love Him? He's worthy, isn't He? Thank you, Jesus. I need you. You need me. And without each other, we're incomplete. Does that make sense? I want you to catch this. Hear me. Listen. You cannot be the church by yourself. You say, well, wait, I thought I was a temple of the Holy Ghost. You are. However, the Bible says we're being built together for a holy temple of the Lord. So, to get there, T-O-G-E-T-T-H-E-R-E, right? To get there, we must do so together. Some have said the most powerful ten words are, if it is to be, it is up to me. Now that's cool because it rhymes, it's all two-letter words, but it's wrong. The ten most powerful words are, if it is to be, it is up to us. Moses couldn't and didn't build the tabernacle by himself. Nehemiah couldn't and wouldn't rebuild the walls by himself. And even Jesus Christ, God manifested in flesh, the epitome of undeniable oneness, anointed and appointed twelve apostles and many other disciples who followed him to fulfill his kingdom purpose. 
You see, the beauty of unity is that we're a family, not because we vote the same way. Not because we're both the same ethnicity. We are family because we're born again of water and spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter what other man-made divisions or distinctions might be. The fact is we're family based on our new birth. Because God is our father and the church is our mother. Well, praise God. The basis for unity is in verses uh, 2 and the first part of verse 3 of this psalm. It's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. It's as the dew of Hermon, as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. I'm going to stop there in that verse. You see, he drew on the symbolism of the anointing oil and the dew, and David reveals the basis for unity among God's people. Now, we, we do try to avoid those top-down realities and because, you know, ultimately Christ is the head of the church and that's, that's the way it is. But with unity, it has to begin with the leadership and flow downward. I'm reminded of this every day I pray because, God, I want to be so anointed that everybody else gets more anointed too. Okay? It's, it flowed down his head and to his beard, down his robes. Anointing starts at the top. It's why when we lay hands on people, we anoint the head. Because that's where it starts, in the head. It's biblical. It's not just symbolic. Anointing must start in your mind. Well, you do what you do or don't do what you don't do based on how you think. I don't have time to go into that kind of a Bible study. Come back in April. We've got some stuff on that but you know, on Wednesday nights. But the fact is, it, it's not the, the circumstances that need to change. It's your mind that needs to change. And if you'll get your mind anointed and bring thoughts captive, it'll flow downward to the rest of your body. In other words, your feelings will follow the way your mind is now anointed. Does that make sense? It's like the dew of Hermon. That produces the, the flow that goes into the Jordan River. And so unity must start at the top and flow outward and downward. You see, like that dew that filled uh, the river, that river then be became a place where it could revitalize and refresh everything it touched. Uh, that's what unity is expected to do. We come and we get anointed week after week. We leave throughout the week and we're letting it flow out of us to minister to other people. Does that make sense? Hallelujah. The third thing he brought to us is the blessings of unity. The last part of verse 3. For there, where? Where unity was. Where brothers were dwelling together in unity. Where the anointing was. There, the Lord commanded the blessing. Even life forevermore. How many of you want God's commanded blessings in your life? Here is the key. Dwell together in unity. That produces anointing. That produces God's commanded blessings. Pretty simple, isn't it? Because where anointing is, it empowers and refreshes everything it touches. Where unity is present, there is where you will find God commanding His everlasting blessings. Here David prophetically connects eternal life with unity in the final lyric of Psalm 133. So therefore, you could say, huh, unity leads to eternal life. 
I've heard people say, well, you know, how, how will you get along in heaven if you can't get along on earth? That's the wrong question. If you're not unified here and getting along, you won't go to heaven. Period. Simple. So TCO, here's the word of the Lord for you today. The shift that God has given us that we are experiencing will only continue if we dwell together in unity. Pastor Jeremy, you referred to it in your message. I didn't give it to you guys back there, but Ephesians 4 verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Verse 2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, uh, forbearing one another in love. Watch verse 3. This is the one he referred to. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And as if Paul was writing this for my message today, go figure, read on. There is one body. One spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Hallelujah. We've got to dwell together in unity. So just as God is undeniably one, and don't let anybody ever tell you differently, Scripture is replete from Genesis to Revelation. Proving the undeniable oneness of God. Just as undeniable as that is, so also is the fact that His church is undeniably one. Watch. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 13. For as the body is and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit, we are all baptized into... <laughs> Watch this. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles. Gentiles makes up all the rest of the world. Jews, you know, were, were this, you know, exclusive class of people, so to speak, and then Gentiles just lumped everybody else all together. So what he's saying here, Paul's preaching, teaching, he's going, uh, guess what? When you're baptized into Christ, ethnicity ends. You have a new culture, a Christ culture. Okay, I'm going to just get on a slight soapbox for just a minute here. Just, just a minute. Just a minute. Remember when I told you this whole platform was my soapbox? Here it is. I've heard people say, well, it's just the way I am. You know, maybe they're angry. Maybe they're, you know, a jerk. Maybe they're, I don't know, whatever. Oh, that's just the way I am. Well, if you have the Holy Ghost, you've been baptized in Jesus' name, and you're saying that's just the way you are, I thought you got changed. Right? Well, it's just the way I am. No. That's how you were. The Bible says... In him, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's why we're called a new creature in Christ Jesus. And so everything changes. Yes, I'm still Caucasian. But I don't have a Caucasian culture. I have a Christ culture. 
It, it's why I know of churches where a former Ku Klux Klan member and a former Black Panther member can come together in unity and say we forgive and love because they're no longer bound by their past. Well, let it be, Lord. All right, here we go. Galatians 3.27. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. What he's saying is he's, he said there's no big eyes and little U's anymore. Amen. We are all one in Christ Jesus. Undeniably one. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What promise? The promise that goes all the way back to Abraham, which you can actually see goes all the way back to Adam, that every place your feet touch, it's yours. I give you authority and dominion. Amen. Adam abdicated it. Adam lost it. But when Christ came as the last Adam, He restored it to the church. Oh, somebody needs to hear me in the Holy Ghost. When you walk in your neighborhood, it's the kingdom of God. When you walk through your job, it's the kingdom of God. When you walk through your school, it's the kingdom of God. Hear me. I'm not here to take over Omaha Metro. Or excuse me, I'm not here to take sides. I'm here to take over. I claim this land for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We can walk in that authority. Every place, Abraham, that your feet walk, I'm going to give to you. These promises that Galatians mentioned link back to that because we are heirs of Christ. Hallelujah. In fact, earlier in this same chapter, he says that the promised seed of Abraham was Christ. Now we know, obviously, Isaac was, was the, the, the literal you know, in that moment, that historical, but it pointed to a greater reality. Oh, hallelujah. Whew. Hallelujah. You are that greater reality. Amen. In Christ and through him. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Ephesians 2, 14. And I think I gave it to you in the King James. I apologize. I've got it written here in the New Living, so I'm sorry, Brother Jeremy. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Verse 15, he did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating himself one new people from the two groups. That's why, and I don't want to get off on a tangent here in May, we're going to have some end times teaching from, uh, you know, on Wednesday nights. But, but let me just interject this. Any kind of teaching that then separates those two groups makes God a polygamist. And the Bible says what God has brought together, let no man right here in himself, he made peace, making one new people from the two. Together, verse 16, as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by the means of His death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. So you can't separate that out. That's what, when you hear people say, well, He's coming back for a Gentile bride, that's, that's no such term in Scripture. I don't mean to get lost in the weeds here for a minute, but there's no such Scripture. Okay? People say, well, He's going to return to the Jews. He never left them. Salvation says it was to the Jews first. 
Paul says, Romans 1, 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, power of God and salvation, to the Jew first. Those 120 in the upper room and 3,000 on the street were Jews. 5,000 in the next chapter were Jews. He didn't reject them. He didn't turn from them. They rejected him. Ah, Lord Jesus, help me. I don't want to get in the spirit of Myron. I'm going to stay in the spirit of Jesus right now. But, but what it's saying, I'm going to give you a little bit of context. He's saying these two groups that hated each other, that, were, that despised one another. I've brought them together and said, yeah, you're all one now in me. When you take on my name, you're one. Quit fighting. Quit bickering. Start trusting and quit suspi- uh, being suspicious of each other. That's exactly what he was saying. I've brought you into one together. I want to think the best of people. Amen. Colossians 3, 9. Watch this. Lie not to one another, seeing that you have put off the old man with its deeds and have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Watch verse 11. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all in all. He's, he's saying the same thing he said in these other passages indicating that, look, in the church, we're together, we're one. Hallelujah. We sometimes look and we measure. Well, she's lived for God longer and, and he's brand new. And Why do we do that? Did you know, I, I, I've seen people, or, or excuse me, let me rephrase. I've heard of people uh, who will re- have received the Holy Ghost for the very first time and have turned around and prayed for a family member or friend and they've got the Holy Ghost. That's how quickly you become a part of the kingdom of God. Now, yeah, please, I understand the processes, and, and, and please nobody shoot me here with your, your arrows right now thinking I'm saying we don't need discipleship. We absolutely need discipleship. We need to be trained, equipped, and so forth. But when does discipleship end? Anybody know? Well, there is a point. It, 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 right, never, but here, here's when it ends. When Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant, that's when discipleship ends. In other words, never. So you, you were right. I was just, does that make sense? Okay, so, so here's my point with that. The most veteran believer among us and the newest believer, the, the one newest baptizer filled with the Spirit is one in Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Verse 12, put on therefore as the elect of God. Now, wait a minute. The elect are His church, His called out, purpose-filled, kingdom minded church the elect of God he just said Greeks and Jews circumcision uncircumcision barbarians Scythians people in prison bond uh, uh, or free are the elect of God if they're born again huh you know I want you to get this in your in your mind if it were possible for us to know I don't think we will but if it were possible we would be surprised by some people that made it to heaven and surprised by some that didn't. Because we judge unbiblically. Why don't we let God be the judge? Is that all right? Okay. Good. I'm glad you agree. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave, also do ye. In other words, if you start fighting, if that trust and suspicion we heard about in the first half starts you know, messing up in your life, forgive. 
You want to know the quickest way to end an argument? Forgive. Be the bigger person. Be the first to say I'm sorry. Be the first to be genuine. And you'll hopefully create a brother or sister out of it. Above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you are called in one body and be ye thankful. So out of the mouth of all these two or three witnesses, let's let every word be established that the church is undeniably one just as Christ is undeniably one. But, let me give you one more. Or maybe two. Revelation 7 verse 9. After this I beheld and lo, a great multitude which no man could number. <laughs> that's, I don't know if that's zillions and billions or Google Plexians or however many it is, but it's a whole bunch. No man could number it. As far as John's eye could see, it was a great multitude, watch, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues that stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white ropes and palms in their hand, and they cried with a loud voice saying, Salvation! to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb this innumerable host that John saw in his vision was comprised of every nation and kindred and people and tongue together as one there were no divisions there were no, there were no uh, distinctions between them as it were people from the first century people from this century all together as one. So again I say, to get there, we must do so together. After all, when the trump sounds, we will all be caught up together. So let's dwell together in unity on earth while we eagerly await the soon coming of Jesus Christ. As my wife comes to the keyboard, let me end by saying this. So from now until then, let's unite together around our central purpose, which is to go and make disciples of all nations. We're not dismissed today in a few minutes. We're deployed. In fact, we're never dismissed again from, from a Sunday or a Wednesday or a special meeting or a prayer meeting or anything else. We're deployed. Let's go and make disciples of all nations. Let's unite together in corporate prayer. Yes, let's have our private prayer. We need that. But let's have our corporate prayer as well. Believing and expecting God to do the miraculous. And three, let's unite together for our chief pursuit, which is to steadfastly continue in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Can we do that? This old song just says, you're my brother, you're my sister. I want you today as we sing this to go find another brother or sister. Pray with them as this song is being sung. Unite with them. If there is something you need to get out in the open, there was some suspicion and not trust, do it in this moment. Deal with it in this moment. Let's all stand together and let's do and be what this song says.